Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Behind Massive Screens, a game development podcast here from Massive Entertainment in Malmo, Sweden. Uh, we have been, me and my dear co-host, Dory, I'm Petter, by the way, um, we've been on our summer vacation. Indeed. So at the same time, BMS took a bit of a summer vacation, but we're back yep. at the office in the studio and ready to go uh, for the fall. Yeah, hope you missed us. We missed you. We definitely did. I missed you, Dory. Oh. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, well, that was like a I love you moment than the other person. I feel like goes. I'm interrupting <laughs> something here. It was, uh, it was, I, I, it should, was, I should not even be in this room right now. It was now. too good to give up. Yeah, <laughs> I know, I know. Did you have a good vacation? Oh, yeah, indeed. And You uh, went to Iceland? Yeah, t- took a little uh, trip back to... Uh, the old motherland, uh, which was which was uh, quite nice. Yeah, you know, hanging out with the family and stuff uh, that I haven't seen in a while due to, well, the past two three years. Yeah, yeah, something happened. Mm, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, and then being back in Sweden, uh, having like a second summer because it's just oh, been yeah. so sunny the, the last couple of days. Of, of course, I say that on the day where it starts kind of raining again. But yeah, yeah, sure. It's September something right now, mm. um, and yeah. Summer started on September 1st, essentially. <laughs> it got really weird. Anyway, we're not here to talk about vacation, even if we probably could. We're here to talk to Daria, community developer here at Massive Entertainment. Welcome, Daria. Yeah, thank you for having me. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I'm going to leave it over to you because yeah. I heard you started talking. I'm prepared. Uh, I'm going to fire off the first question, the question that we used to uh, kind of kickstart the conversation for those of you unaware here on uh, behind massive screens we uh, well we uh, pull aside our co-workers and uh, talk about all things game development and the very first question daria is what is a com dev or a community developer and um, yeah in the as few words as possible what is <laughs> the job uh so we'll probably start with referencing a meme uh, one of my favorites. I mean, I'm comdev. I'm I'm on socials like chronically online, and this is this is a meme with the guy mopping the ocean, <laughs> and I feel like this specific image uh, is a perfect description of the job <laughs> because the whatever we are doing it never ends. It right. doesn't really matter if it's like collecting feedback or strategizing. This is the essence of the job, like mopping the ocean. So we want to talk about the serious stuff and explain uh, to our listeners what Calm Devs actually do. I would say that the most important part of the job is that the Calm Devs are empowered to plan and execute the strategies that should be aligned with production and marketing objectives and help um, other disciplines bring forward whatever they are planning, whatever the brand strategy is, and also uh, empower players to have the best player experience with a specific game. Right. Yeah, and, and the, the, I guess the main difference there between, and we'll get deeper into this later, between a com dev and a community manager is that you are actually sitting in a part of the development uh, yeah. crew. Yeah, community developers are uh, integrated in the into a development or production team, uh, depending on the location. And I think it's very Ubisoft specific, because it is not a job title that exists in the in the majority of companies. Right? I can only name a few besides Ubisoft, and even regarding them, I think they adopted it from Ubisoft at some point. Just um, either people were moving or because they saw the opportunity uh, to do that. And actually, that's one of the best things that uh, exist for this position, uh, because that also helps us create this bridge between the production development and the players and vice versa, because we are not only moving in one direction. It's important for us to bring community expertise to the table and also make sure that we communicate back all the changes or the plans that the team has for the game. I think that's one word we're going to come back to later is community. And the the bridge. And the bridge. Community and bridges. That's what we're going to build uh, in a little while. But before we uh, talk about those things and kind of go into your your practical work, um, the other question we always ask is, how did you end up at Massive Entertainment? Um, 
So at first, I, I kind of had to move to Sweden at some point <laughs> <laughs> in my life. Um, that was not for Massive. That was for another company. Uh, and I don't know how far back in time you guys want me to start, but um, this is this is not my first career. I'm coming from a completely different industry, and I've managed to build a career in uh, partners and uh, public relations before, and also worked as a AT analyst. Um, but at some point, I realized that I'm not getting enough. Uh, you know, I'm a little bit bored. I reached uh, my peak basically, and there is nothing else for me to do there. And at some point, I started thinking, what else I can do with the experience and knowledge that I have uh, in public relations, in analytics? And then I thought, wait a minute, there are actually people working for different brands, for different games. And I'm I'm a gamer, I'm a fan. Why not try, you know, and get into the gaming industry? And uh, I can't say that community was my first choice because there are some other options. Uh, but then again, I realized that with what I love doing the most and the sort of experience I have, I will probably be... It, it will be a good opportunity for me to, 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 to at least try and work with communities. And that's what I did. I ended up at a mobile gaming company. That's where I started my career. And I've been doing that for quite some time. Then I had a chance to move. I'm not saying that mobile gaming is, is bad or not interesting, but I personally love action and adventure games. I love shooters. I love multiplayer games. So at some point, I had the opportunity to move and work on the live project. Right. I mean, mobile games are live games as well, but there are different. There is a different, different like, breed, different mm. breed, like production and pipeline wise. Right. Um, so one thing led to another. <laughs> I moved to Sweden for another opportunity with another company. And then at some point I was approached by Massive. And that was a bit surreal because I've been the division fan since day one. And um I don't know, not even in my wildest dreams, I thought that it would be possible for me to work for Division one day because when I was a community team lead back in the days, I always had Division as an example, you know, for my team and for my colleagues, like look at them, how they're communicating communicating with their players. This is This is what we should be striving to do because they're excellent at that. I'm just gonna smile at the camera because I was part. Of, I was part of that team back then. I know. I know. So so yeah. At, that's that's how I ended up here, sitting at this very table. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I wanna before we go more into the job, I wanna. This is might might sound maybe a little bit stuck, but I went through a little, a little bit of your Instagram. You you actually do like cosplay and stuff as well. I do. I mean, it's it's you're not really a stalker. It's fine unless you're sliding in into DMs nope. or sending nope. some dubious pictures. <laughs> everything is fine. <laughs> yes, I am a cosplayer. That's true. And um, it's even I mean, at some point in my life, I even managed to do that professionally and work for for like very well known companies. Um, but yeah, that's working an event is a big deal of itself. Working in a costume. Never again, <laughs> never again, especially on high heels. No, no, that sounds pretty awful, actually. The high heels, I mean, the um, cosplay sounds great. I mean, I don't know. We could try. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so one thing before we start going into everything again, we're like, we're going to talk about this later, but we yeah, are going to start. Teasers. Teasers. Um, I just want to talk about the word community, actually, uh, because again, it's 50% of your job title, obviously. Uh, but it can be kind of just, I think we and most players kind of know instinctively what a community is. Um, but how would you describe it? For if, if someone looking at this have no idea what a gaming community is, how would you describe? Uh, um, I would I would also probably start with the reference of an iceberg, you know, that's that's also one 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 of the popular <laughs> memes that people love to use when you just see the tip of the iceberg above the water, but under the water there is a much bigger globe of ice. So talking about community and what community actually thinks our job is 
can be very different from the reality. Right. But of course, there are some things that um, are visible. I mean, we are public faces. We interact with people, be it like on camera or online, on social media. Um, but let's let me focus on the most positive part of this tip of the iceberg and things that I, as a com dev, enjoy the most. And Unfortunately, it's not collecting the feedback. We'll, we can talk <laughs> about, talk about it. it, yes, but um, I just want to focus on uh, things that bring me joy yeah. um, in in the specific position. So if we're talking about UGC, it's the user-generated content, basically whatever you guys draw, cosplay, fun fiction, uh, I don't know, screenshots, memes, everything that community produces because they love the game, they want to connect with the game, they want to share the joy with others and, you know, browsing through that content, looking at people's creations, uh, making sure that we acknowledge all that and promote them on our socials and actually reach back and congratulate them and saying thank you for being such an awesome fan because they're uh, brings a lot of joy to us as a team and whenever whenever we are sharing something with the team like i don't know 3d printed guns or like this air force model mm. uh that oh, one yeah. of the fans brought to the office we actually have an article on our website about it if if you want to check it out like this this stuff provides so much inspiration and energy and i can never get enough of this creativity like this this is really awesome um, what can be better though <laughs> is interacting <laughs> with uh with the fans uh on I don't know gaming conferences, offline events. Unfortunately, that is that is something that COVID uh you know prevented us from from doing as often as we used to as an industry. But back in the days, I think it yeah it brings so so many positive emotions mm. talking to people seeing their awesome cosplay in real life um i don't know listening to their feedback to to what they have to say about the game face to face it's very different from yeah. from reading comments online right sure. it's a completely different you know energy exchange whenever you're doing that live yeah sure and and doing events live and meeting we're going to talk about the ETF, which is a is a big deal for the division. That was very that was used to be in person, but yeah, yeah. as you say, COVID kind of even if we're post pandemic now, it still has had an effect on the industry as a whole, not just yeah. the division, but the entire yeah. uh, industry. Yeah, it's one of my biggest regrets at the ComDev on the division that yeah. I was not able to join the team early enough to be a part of this, you know, li live meeting. Yeah. It was one of the first thing I did for the division actually was trying to get book tickets for the first ETF. Um, that was anxiety inducing. Uh, <laughs> hey, get people from the US here, but we pulled it off mm. somehow. But we'll get back to uh, the ETF. I think one word, um, that's a big part we're gonna talk strategy. We're gonna talk about a lot of stuff. Don't worry about it. Um, I think that what what interesting you you mentioned in your previous uh, experience uh, analyst, uh, and that is something that comes into play of being a community developer as well. How yeah. does that how does that work? Yeah, I would say that comes into play quite a lot, and maybe that is uh, that part of the iceberg that is below the uh, you know surface. Um, actually, if we're talking about day to day stuff, yep. right? Uh, Aside from planning, aside from strategizing tactics, whatnot, and interacting with players, uh, we also, like, one of the main purposes for us is to collect feedback, analyze it, and present it to our stakeholders, be it developers, be it production team, uh, I don't know, sometimes brand can, you know, also ask us to, I don't know, look into specific claims or try to understand what would be the best approach for us going forward. And um, actually, that's not the most exciting part of the job, obviously, <laughs> because it involves a lot of Excel, a lot of DAX. Uh, we have specific community listening tools. Um, so probably the thing that I need to explain about us working with the feedback and 
Because, you know, a lot of people have this misconception that uh, brands are not listening to the players, mm. right? Uh, because you as, as an individual may be leaving comments about a specific topic and you're, you're, you may be feeling like your specific requests are not being seen and not being answered. And while that's not always true, the reason for a very specific and niche thing uh, to be left out uh, is because we are not working with, with individual feedback, unless it's ETF, of course, right, or, right. or specific tests like PTSs, right? Because that's where we're looking for individual feedback. But whenever we're analyzing sentiment in general, uh, we'll be looking at the most discussed issues, yeah. uh, the most common complaints. Um, so a very specific thing may not be a part of that bigger bubble right. of problems or issues or things that people talk about in the community. So no, we're not ignoring anyone, <laughs> but uh, we are also not playing favorites, right? right? For us, it's important to concentrate on uh, the wider community, not only on the people who are active online or who you're interacting with on Discord or under, I don't know, YouTube video on Reddit, uh, for us, it's a much, much, much bigger bubble. Sure. And um, it's not like we personally decide on the feedback that we're going to be delivering to to the rest of the stakeholders, to the dev team. Uh, that is that is actually what we have the listening tools for because they provide us with the data. And this this data is quite reliable because we, we also help integrate the search strings and work with uh, other stakeholders within Ubisoft to make sure that this specific software provides us with the exact data that we're looking for. So it's very tailored to our needs. And I thank them very much for helping us with mm -hmm. that because that, that alleviates a lot of stress from us. Uh, stress, and what I mean by stress is that not being able to deliver what exactly community is occupied with at the moment. Right. Because, of course, I see a lot of chatter on socials. Of course, people tag me all the time, but I don't want to be biased. I don't want to be affected by this chatter. I want to have data uh, that I can back up my theories and you know assumptions on. Sure. Yeah. I, I, and I think that's a very important uh, point to make, that it's uh, data-informed. You know, you see a tweet, it's in all caps and, uh, you know, oh, this feels like very important. We should do something about this right away. But then it's like, well, okay, there's one person talking about that, but there's 500 people talking about something else. So maybe we should focus on that first. Yeah, yeah, true. Because um, also about the, the, the feedback, like whenever we're done collecting, analyzing and presenting feedback, while I myself is very much included within the team and I usually have uh, a place during almost all the important discussions, which is amazing. But I don't think that it's uh, um, applicable to every community person, you mm -hmm. know, within the industry because different companies operate differently. And I think it's uh, still quite new um, job family and not a lot of companies or brands realize how important it is to mm -hmm. include a community specialist before, like in the pre-production phase or during the production, or even have them included in the conversation about the future of the product. Uh, for for the division too, it's very different. I'm I'm actually included, uh, but then I don't know. Some 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 person criticizing us online may say, "But what 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 you you collected the feedback? What happened to it? Like why it's not being acted on?" And that's another thing that I probably need to talk a little bit to to explain how this whole process works a bit better. Um, unfortunately, some unfortunately for for those who are expecting for their complaints to be uh, you know made a, a, a number one priority, our job ends at delivering that feedback and advising our stakeholders at, like what are the most important points to address at this specific moment or maybe at some time in the future, uh, we do not have that much power uh, beyond that. Right. Because budgeting, production, it's a much more complex 
thing that it may seem. And I probably would not go into a lot of details, right? But then again, it's not us who are taking, who are making decisions about the future. Even though we're making sure that community voice is heard and we're present during the specific meetings where this is being discussed. But apart from that, that's pretty much what we can do. Yeah. You yeah. can bring you can bring the data, you can bring the explanations, but those like the development uh, decisions are made elsewhere. Yeah. And, and I don't and, and we yeah, sorry. No, I was just gonna say and but that's so great having you at the studio as well, because you are very integrated and, and Yeah, yeah. I just wanted to mention that I don't want that to sound as I'm dissing on the development. No, 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 no. not at all. It's just um other more important and more serious things are at play whenever those decisions are being made. Because while we all realize that a specific issue or the specific bug is very important at the moment, maybe the team do not have the resources to uh, fix that right now, right? Mm-hmm. So it it doesn't doesn't mean that this feedback is not apl- applicable, that we're not listening. It's just, yeah, there are, a big, a big chunk of ice under the water. Yeah. And of course, there also comes in that, especially with the live project, you know, timelines are long, you know, and uh, there's something that they're focusing on that's coming up in several months that, you know, they need resources for. So then it's a question of, you know, do we need to fix that now? Can we fix that then? You know, uh, but I, I guess that's kind of where the, the bridge comes back in that we <laughs> talked about earlier of, uh, you know, the communication is a two-way street. You bring the community sentiment to the developers, but then you need to bring that developer sentiment and communicate it back to the players. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And as much as I um, as I hate this 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 breach thing, because I think it's <laughs> such a cliche about this specific job, about the community <laughs> management job, it's yeah, it's one of the most inter- integral parts. And you're absolutely right. It's a two-way street because. It's not enough to uh, voice community concerns to developers. You actually need to communicate the decisions back to make sure that people understand what what the future looks like. What are we doing right now? What our plans are like for for months to come, especially for for a live game, right? And we operate on season by season basis, so of course it's important for us to make sure that community has full transparency on all our plans and what we're doing. Of course, of course that that probably so- sounds, you know, a bit a bit a bit like I'm a hypocrite, right? <laughs> but um in reality, uh at least this is this is what we are trying to do as a team and Peter, you would agree with me, like transparency has always been the key. Yeah. Right? Because we don't want to have any any other kind of relationship with our community we want them to have a say to be included that's why we have etf that's why we have so many tests uh that's why we have trailer board right so talking back uh talking about this communication and providing feedback to players yeah one of the most complicated parts <laughs> of this process is basically translating from dev to the regular person language, right? Because there are so many technicalities, uh, so many um, like professional slang aspects of the uh, job, like what what different departments are doing uh, behind the scenes that sometimes does not translate very well into regular person <laughs> speech and understanding, and. Yeah, that's that's where I can say that I'm so grateful for this team because I myself not always understand what we're talking about. Reading through JIRAs and descriptions, I'm like, what are those numbers? What <laughs> what are those formulas? I do not understand. But uh, I'm lucky to have support, full support from the team because whenever I need an explanation, extra details, I have access to QC people. Um, I have support from the dev team. They're always available to explain why the decision was made that and this way, right? And um, what sort of problems we do have as a team that preventing us from from tackling a specific issue at this very moment and why we we going to address it later. Because as you mentioned, 
there are a lot of plans that we have and this is a live project. So, for example, I may be working on the current season while the team works on the stuff that is supposed to come in a year mm. from now, right? Um, so, yeah, this is this is one of the essential parts of our job to provide players with the detailed patch notes, uh, roadmaps, explain uh, what we're working on right now and what our future plans are. So check our known issues board, check Trello if you're interested in that stuff. And of course, we are also always in the process of collecting and processing new feedback and giving the team a lot of job <laughs> for the future, <laughs> making sure that they're occupied and have enough tasks to work on in the months to come. <laughs> Okay, so I, I have I have a question that I want to bring, uh, but I think we need to wrap one thing up that's been kind of, we, we've been touching upon it uh, a little bit. Um, so a community developer, when, when people are looking in at a community developer, um, usually, especially in the case of the division, the community developer is very visible uh, in streams and online, you know, all that stuff. Um but so I think some people kind of mistake a community developer for a community manager um, and a community. It's a whole separate thing. Yeah. Um, not in a, oh, this is better. This is worse. But it's just two different disciplines that kind of work together. Um, so how would you kind of describe that difference in a few words just to make clear what a comm dev is and what a community manager does? I would say that in like in two words, super briefly, that community developer is like strategizing aspect of the job and community manager is more operational right uh easy example uh whenever uh whenever i come up with the uh go-to-market campaign or uh strategy for how we're gonna you know work with the community brand voice doesn't matter like content plan uh my community manager is going to be the one helping me basically execute this mm. whole thing yep. so for example, I think that we need to start producing more engaging content. I want more memes. My community manager is going to be the one making them. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 probably a very basic level explanation sure. uh, because there are a lot more aspects of the job, right? Even even if we're talking about tasks, be it closed tasks or open tasks, doesn't matter. Uh, I will be making these decisions together with the production and the dev team. What sort of what sort of changes we want to discuss? What sort of issues we want their opinions on? Do we need a survey? Do we need to uh, bring them for the I don't know roundtable or whatnot? How are we going to present that info? Uh, what what is the deadline? Uh, is there any constraints on our side and whatnot? Who exactly we're going to ask those mm. questions to? But when it comes to CM, uh, CM is going to be the one helping. Setting up, I don't know, Discord servers, uh, writing down copy, explaining what the time zones we're going to operate it. You know, all, all that operational stuff, basically. Right. Executing the plan. Yes, yep. yes, exactly. But also, I think for Division 2 specifically, we're working very closely, uh, comdevs and CMs. And um, it's definitely not... Um, like a vertical relationship we're on the same level we're just doing different things yep. but we're uh, aiming to achieve the same goal yep yeah in my in my experience cms at ubisoft are pretty damn amazing they are yeah but one other word <laughs> that has been coming up uh if we have any loose words that we've mentioned, just feel free to like, we mentioned that we'd come back to this later on and, and never did. Yeah, let us know in the comments. Where is this? Um, is the dangerous word strategy. So it's a very corporate word in a way. Yeah. But when we talk about, yeah, okay, we're setting up a strategy for the way we communicate with the, with the community, as you say, like content plans, et cetera. How would you define and explain a strategy because it sounds very kind of fluffy but it's actually a very like specific thing often it is i would like also in a few words i would say that this is our plan like community team plan on how we are going to better support development production 
and other stakeholders such as brand. Mm. So for for us, for me to create a strategy, I need to understand what our goals are as a brand, as a product. And of course, uh, I'm not going to be basing my my strategy on whatever other departments provide me with entirely, but these are the core elements that I'm going to be looking at when, when thinking about what we can help you guys with, how we can amplify this message better. We have new content coming up, how we can make sure that it's easy to access, understandable to our players, that they have all the important info, that they have tutorials, guides, detailed patch notes, articles on the website, or basically everything that can help make the experience better mm. and for them to understand the game better and make sure that they are connected with us in a way. Right. So basically it's a, I don't know, uh, summary of various tactics uh, that we're going to execute to make sure that that this strategy works in real life (laughs) and i would say that a lot of cross-function partners are essential for us to make sure that the strategy is like well-rounded and has everything that the community would need potentially um for example some parts of it like advocacy program is a big part of it for us it's etf or star players right how what 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 our goals working with uh vap players uh, how we are planning to achieve uh, mm. these specific goals or social media, whatever content strategy, whatever content plan looks like, what are the most important content pieces and assets that we need to be producing to make sure that we are tackling you know, all the points. Yep. Uh, but yeah, strategy is, while it's super important, it's probably the most boring part of the job <laughs> because it involves involves a lot of PowerPoint decks. There's a lot of PowerPoint Yes, decks, yeah. yes. So, I have, I have to say, though, that uh, community strategy plan, it's something that's presented at top level. I mean, yeah. it's it's not something you just go to your manager and they're like, yeah. here's what I want to do. It's something that goes basically all the way to the top. Um and just make sure everybody's aligned on on that communication as yeah. well. Because it is seen as something very, very important. And it's something that, like, for us, for the division as a franchise, also um, coming up to another level, to a franchise level, because we're not operating as, you know, three separate brands anymore. We're operating as a whole as a franchise, and we need to be aligned on all our plans, on all of our communication. So that creates another extra level of seriousness of right. this specific thing. <laughs> I think we're going to need to kind of, if we're just going to look at one specific activity and kind of look at how the process with all of this, like from strategy to execution to feedback would be the public test servers. Uh, for example, in the, in the case of the division, um, we've had that for many years where an upcoming update is put on these public test servers where uh, PC players can download upcoming builds, try them out, give feedback, etc. Um, how if we we put up a hypothetical PTS um, for title update X, how on the community side would this process look like? So basically, what what I going to be helping with? Uh, what yeah, like from from point A, the decision is made up until the final reports are delivered. So the first steps are for us together as a team, uh, production development, and uh, decide whether or not we even need that. That sort of thing. Uh, most of the time we do. I mean, you know us. <laughs> we, we love PTS feedback. Um, and sometimes the first phase is not going to be accessible for everyone. It's going to be strictly ETF stuff uh, where the, the few selected players are going to be presented with the first draft mm. of how the next seasonal stuff or next big game mode going to look like. So this is going to be our first part of providing players with information, collecting their feedback, adjusting stuff. And after that, uh, we will be giving the rest of the player base, mostly PC, as you mentioned. I mean, we used to have uh, console PTSs back in the days, but to better explain why it's not happening anymore, I know that we have a proper article, but the 
easiest explanation that we usually do have enough feedback from the P- PC players only, mm. and it's not very different from consoles and setting up uh, PTS or basically anything on consoles is a very complicated and lengthy process. Yeah. And uh, usually, you know, we, we operate by seasonal uh, basis and the time that the team has to address the issues, to make the changes and apply them is very limited. So mm. fortunately, it's not possible for us to have the console uh, I, I I don't know why I'm explaining this to you. It's probably mostly for for the other play, yeah, for yeah, our yeah, players yeah, who are yeah, going to yeah. be listening because it's yeah. one one of no, the it's important. yeah I mean, one I, of, I learned something so <laughs> so yeah um, whenever we make a decision about a date, uh, it's up to us to community to gather the information about the content that's going to be presented on this PTS and basically provide players with the. I don't know, content brief, content description, uh, somewhat similar to patch notes. Uh, it's not patch notes per se because it's not a finalized product. The 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 asset, the specifications, the gear, things may change. Uh, but it's important for players to understand what they're working with, mm-hmm. right? Uh, do you also have in those notes like what specific things you're looking for at feedback for or just, you know, Play it and tell us whatever you think. No, some. I mean, it depends. Uh, whenever, whenever there are very specific aspects uh, of the feedback that we need to collect, of course, we're going to address it. Or if the PTS has multiple phases, we would ask uh, players to concentrate on gear uh, for the first phase and on the game mode for the second and, I don't know, on the changes made after the two previous phases for the third. So it depends. But most of the time, um, we just set up the, the the like feedback forums, Discord, whatever platform for discussion that we choose. We set up specific topics for players to discuss and deliver the information on. If if we're talking about uh, closed tests, uh, then usually players are given a survey with the specific questions or open-ended questions like the NPS survey that we had recently, or maybe they already have. Um, a few, you know, options to choose from for us to understand better. Because, of course, as the team, we have our own assumptions. We we sometimes know that, yeah, that, that is something that players are going to be talking about. That is something that they're going to like. That can be problematic, but we need a bigger selection, uh, you know, of, of, of people to give us that info. And even even um, PTS is not the last phase, right? Because since only the uh, PC players and few thousand of players can take part in PTS, it's also important for us to understand what the rest of the community is going to think about it. Because it's not a secret that usually it's the most engaged players who take part in BTS, right? Because they're interested in the brand, they want to connect with it more, they want to get information on the newest updates as soon as possible. But the rest of the community, it's important for us to listen to them as well. Uh, even if they're not that into all this nitty-gritty details, they're still our players. We have a few million of them, right? Uh, so as I mentioned, we are not trying to play favorites. And a lot of decisions are not being uh, made right away, right after the BTS. Sometimes we need to wait for uh, the rest of the community to play the content upon release and provide us with their feedback. Yeah, but you can use it as a primer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And also, once the PTS is over, of course, we're collecting the feedback on pretty much uh, all over social media. This is where, uh, as I mentioned, we're not really using listening tools, right? We're we're going uh, basically on the social media basis where we're just, you know, there are specific topics and we're searching what people think about this and that specific gear or what sort of issues or bugs they found during the PTS. So this is this is where we collect everything manually. It's it can be automated, but it's much faster <laughs> for us to to go through it through everything like that. And then yeah, we meet with the uh, development team, we present them this feedback and together with the team we make the decision what sort of issues are going to be raised, what sort of JIRAs are going to be created, who's going to be assigned those JIRAs to, right? Um, and whenever this, you know, back and forth communication comes back, the bridge, um, sometimes uh, we have a lot of feedback 
a lot of important feedback that we want to bring back to the players. Like, okay, this is what we decided. These are the claims. This is your feedback. And we're going to address this and that. Or this specific issue won't be addressed just because it's impossible. Or there are technical limitations. Or that is not something that we want to be doing at the moment because the future changes gonna answer that question. Yeah, it's you supposed just guys, to be like that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we don't agree. It's also <laughs> a valid like yeah, back. True, you true. have this feedback, but for yeah. the health of the game or whatever, we don't agree with you. So that's pretty much the whole PTS process. As you can see the community team is very heavily integrated mm -hmm. and is uh, one of the essential, you know, like stakeholders whenever whenever it comes to organizing uh, this whole thing. I'm gonna I, I'm gonna take take this a little uh, darker, but uh, we've we've talked a lot about about feedback as well, like community feedback, and community feedback is great. And as you say, we have the listening tools. We're listening. We're monitoring. We're checking, etc. Um, but being chronically online, as you say, um, there's also we know what gaming communities can look like, and there's going to be a toxic element in any community. Yeah, not not all feedback is made the same. No, it's not made. It's not in the same tone, no. so to speak. Um, but how do you, as a as a community developer, together with your community managers, and of course you as a person, how do you kind of navigate the more toxic elements uh, that can come out? Yeah, talking about the darker aspects of this job, yeah, that is that is definitely something that um, a person needs to have in mind if this is the career that they are planning to pursue, or if they want to, um, you know, start their career as a community manager or a communication specialist, or basically any public-facing uh, person, is that um, mental health must be your priority, uh, because yeah, unfortunately, not everyone out there uh, is going to be respectable and going to deliver the feedback in a way that is pleasant to read. Right. Let's be honest. And actually, I, I have a really good resource that I want to advertise. Um, that's called Safe in Our World, Mental Health First Aid for Community Managers. It's a uh, online workshop uh, that is organized by Safe in Our World and their uh, mental health charity. And their mission is to foster positive mental health well-being and deliver support for gamers and uh, the gaming industry specialists. And basically, they have a few uh, free self-care tips for community specialists on their website. Uh, I don't know if we can advertise it, but if we can, let's put a link. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> there will absolutely be. A It'll link be in the, the description. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's free. Uh, it's accessible for pretty much everyone. Uh, you you can enroll in 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 this uh, in this workshop. Um, I did, and I found it very helpful because they provide you they they equip you with the basically um, methods that can help you uh, combat that negativity and the toll that it takes on your mental health. And I would also say that. Um, I personally do not really have a solution uh, on on how to deal with that because it's it's very personal. It depends on the person. Like I would say that maybe I'm lucky in that regard that I do not really take it close to heart. Like I, I've been doing that for almost seven years. <laughs> I think I have a pretty thick skin, and I understand. Like I I'm making sure that I focus on the positive stuff more. Uh, because there are a lot of passionate individuals who provide a lot of, you know, this inspiration that we talked about, right? And a lot of good vibes within the community. So personally, for me, it's important to not concentrate on the negativity only. Sometimes, unfortunately, uh, it's impossible. And I think it's very important, not only for the community specialists to have the, their mental health as the first priority in mind, but also for the companies and for the production teams to understand that whenever you're making a specific decision, you're going to have a real person on the front line uh, interacting with the players, and they're going to be made a target. And if the players are not going to be happy with the decision that you're making, Think about how you're planning to support this person. Because, mm. yeah, while it's our job, it's also 
I don't think that we want to wish that on anyone, you know. No. Yeah, it's a question of how to approach that, the, how the message will get out and then also how you support your community developers, community managers afterwards. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Because while it's important for us to to uh, take care of ourselves personally, it's also important for, for the companies and for teams to make sure that we support it. And it's not like we are just thrown in okay now you fix this they're 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 being invisible now you fix this right. right and i also think that like it's while interacting with community can be fun and very nice and you can make lifelong friends and there is a lot of inspiration coming from the fans it is also important to um understand that mm, there is such a thing that it's called per social relationship right um it's a one-sided relationship that a media user engages in with the media persona. And while I do not really want to apply that specific description to to myself or to uh, other people working with communities, that happens quite a lot. Sometimes without uh, people like b- both sides realizing that this is what yeah, is happening. until you're in it. Yeah, and I think it's very important for any community specialist or any public figure to take preventive steps uh, and, and make sure that you're well protected uh, as, as an individual, as a real-life person. And if you do not feel like you're safe enough to, I don't know, open your DMs on every platform, just do, don't do that. Because that is, that is not a requirement. And maybe it's a popular assumption, but then again, as I mentioned, we have the tools, you know, to work with the feedback. We have our own eyes, so it's not really a prerequisite for us to interact with each person individually. Right. And I myself, I I, I would say that this is one of the tools that I use quite often, or like put my phone on the personal, you know, mode, and interact with. Uh, people within the community who I know that I can trust. Right. Yeah, the, the, I think that's a very important lesson to learn for any Comdev or CM. Is, is when it's the weekend or it's evening, turn off your notifications. Yeah, some, some work-life balance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Because the community never sleeps, which is fine. You shouldn't keep playing, keep talking, keep interacting. <laughs> but it's kind of difficult when you're getting messages about work at I've gotten messages at like 11 p.m. on a Sunday. Um, it's just it's just reality of the situation, right? Send yeah. those messages. I'll check them on Monday, uh, but not right now. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's very important for everyone in this equation to to understand that we are just you know regular people. Yeah, and it's right? a job, right? It's a job. Yeah, yeah. and it ends at, at five or six or whenever. And after that, it's my personal time with my family, with my friends, with the kids. You know. Yep. So people need to respect that. Yep. Yeah. Uh, now, um, one other question that we ask uh, a lot here on this podcast is um, your kind of tips and tricks on how to get into the industry. Uh, is there any sort of uh, education that is required? Or, yeah, if, if somebody out there is listening and wants to get into being a community developer, like what would be some first steps? That's a very interesting question. And truth be told, I I did some research because I honestly, I do not have any specific education, uh, right? (laughs) I I have master's in political science, which is, I mean, there are some aspects that can be applicable, (laughs) but let's be honest, it's a very different discipline. And I personally uh, had to rely a lot on my experience uh, that I gained in other industries that are also very interconnected and there are a lot of similarities and a lot of tools that I brought with myself and was able to use. But if you're looking, if you're not a career changer, but rather looking uh, for for what you what are you going to do with your life, right? Um, I would say that personally, I think that education is not very important. Uh, there are a lot of tools for this role, kids. For this <laughs> role, education <laughs> is important. Stay in school. Just saying for this particular role. Let's not be illitus, okay? <laughs> 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 but uh, but I would say that regardless of the education level that you have, this is this is the job where you can learn pretty much everything on the spot, right? It's the most important quality of the community specialist is that. 
We're always on the lookout for more info. We never stop educating ourselves. We never stop looking for uh, different cases or how uh, other companies in the industry operate. Like you need to be hungry for that information. You need to be in pursuit of like what are the what are the social media platform changes they implemented this week or what what is like changing on the global scale of streaming because those are going to be essential parts of your job but a specific education i know that i actually have it in my notes here that there are a few companies that that require ba in related fields english marketing business journalism and communication while i think those those disciplines can be very helpful um it's it's not mandatory for 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 anyone to have that sort of education with enough passion uh with with the enough dedication you will learn the trade on the go right yeah, yeah. um I think we've learned, I hope that people out there have learned a lot about what, because I feel like a community developer, again, compared to a community manager, kind of the developer is more esoteric. It's more like, what does that actually mean? Like, what does developer in this case yeah, mean? It's, it's also kind of um, less known and less spread out in the industry. Exactly. So I hope people out there gained a lot of understanding what it is people like Daria does here. Yeah. 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 I really thank, hope so. Thank you so much for yeah. coming, Daria. I'm just going to, I really like plugging our own stuff. I'm going to say thank you again. Uh, I like plugging our own stuff. I think as a good follow-up now that you've listened to this episode, it's actually going back to the very first episode of BMS where we talk about data and we talk about what data-informed, data-driven, all that stuff means. It's really interesting. David is great. And also, why not go back to a previous episode with Yannick where he talks a little bit about the development team and how that put together and developed over time. Yeah. Slowly but surely, if you listen to all the episodes, you can piece together the whole machine. Exactly. Soon, <laughs> soon we will have covered all this. No, we have hundreds of episodes. <laughs> there are so many roles. Uh, but thank you again, Doria. It's been Thank great. you for having me. And like, subscribe, click the bell, rate and review all of that stuff on whatever platform you're on. You know what to do. See you. Thank See you. you. Bye.